Well, I would love to have the kids uh, illustrate my sermon. That would be fun. Uh, thank you for uh, sharing that with us. And uh, as we begin, would you join me in a word of prayer? Oh Lord, may the words of my mouth and may the thoughts and the meditations of all our hearts be pleasing to you, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Well, by a quick show of hands, uh, how many of you are familiar uh, with the art of M.C. Escher? A few people. I uh, see this is one of uh, his drawings, one of uh, several that I would uh, like to show you over the next uh, few moments here. And, and he's one of my favorite artists uh, because uh, his drawings always make you do a double take. See, you look at them and uh, you think you see one thing, uh, but the more you look at it, uh, the more you realize that what you're seeing isn't completely normal, and it, it forces you to do this double take and figure out what's really going on. And so you've uh, you got this one here, and it's the picture of a hand drawing a hand, which is drawing a hand, drawing a hand, and if you're not careful, uh, you'll get caught in a loop looking at that. Uh, or uh, there's this one here. Uh, maybe you've seen it before. Uh, it's the picture of, of water falling down, and then it flows here and here and here and here, and then it's flowing down again. And when you first look at it, you think it's normal, but then you look at it, and the more you look at it, the more you realize it's not normal, uh, not the way it's supposed to be. And then uh, you got this one here. Uh, you've probably seen it before. Uh, reminds me of a scene out of one of the Harry Potter movies. It's the picture of the inside of a building, and there are stairways going every which way. Uh, but that's not the problem. Uh, the problem is you don't know which way is up. I mean, is it this way or this way or, or that way? And then, uh, then there's this one, the last one I want to show you. Uh, I hadn't seen this one until this week. It's the picture of a, a bunch of soldiers marching on the top of a wall, and when you look at it even more closely, you notice that the soldiers on the outside are marching up and up and up and up, but they're marching on top of the same wall, never getting higher, never getting lower, this architectural impossibility. You see, that's why I love uh, Escher's drawings, because they, they always make you do a double take. You see, you look at them, and you think you're looking at something normal, but the more you realize, uh, you, the more you look at it, the more you realize you're, you're not seeing something normal. And that's because uh, things aren't exactly what they seem in Escher's world. And it, uh, it turns out that there's a, a Christian uh, songwriter, an artist, uh, by the name of Steve Taylor. I didn't know about him until this past week. Uh, but he wrote a song about this. You see, he, he noticed uh, what was going on in Escher's world, that, that it's not so different from the world all around us, because the world all around us also isn't what it's supposed to be. And so in the mid-1990s, uh, he wrote uh, this song. It's titled, Escher's World, and I just wanted to share a couple of its lyrics. Up is down. Down is out. Out is in. Stairways circle back to where you've been. Time falls, water crawls, are you listening? Did you ever chase your tail through a maze of exit doors? And then he writes, I have seen the light by Braille. I've blazed the road before us. We're walking in Escher's world again. Rise up, you nimble-minded men. And, 
And I love these lyrics uh, because they not only point to one of my favorite artists, uh, but they also point out this truth about the Christian life. That the world we're living in isn't the way it's supposed to be. You see, we may uh, look around, uh, we may talk to people, we may turn on the news and get the impression uh, that this is the way it's supposed to be, that this is normal. Uh, But you see, uh, a world marked by brokenness and sin is far from normal and not what God originally intended to be. And there's one thought I want you to keep in your mind as uh, we turn our attention to today's reading from uh, Luke chapter 6. It's just that. Uh, It's that the world we're living in, this one, the one all around us, it's a little bit like Escher's world. It's the one that is upside down and backwards. And the reason that Jesus comes is to turn this world back to the way it's supposed to be. And I see it brings us uh, to today's gospel reading. And and as a a brief reminder, uh, here is how we got here. Here's how Luke's gospel goes. Jesus is born and baptized, and then he's tempted in every imaginable way. And, uh, And that launches him up to his ministry in around the Sea of Galilee, about 75 miles north of Jerusalem. And he, he starts in the little town of Nazareth, his hometown. Uh, but you may remember that he's kicked out of the synagogue, and so he's forced to go and minister to other places in and around Galilee. And last week, uh, he called a bunch of disciples. He called a bunch of disciples, and he told them that they were going to go fishing for people. And as the scene opens on today's reading, uh, we discover they have done just that. They have gone and fished and gathered a bunch of people as Jesus comes down this mountain with his disciples uh, to greet a vast multitude of people in a, a wide open space on a plain as he ministers to them, and as then he begins to preach a sermon. And, uh, and this sermon that Jesus preaches, it, it might be familiar to you. It's probably familiar to you. Uh, It's uh, the first and perhaps one of the most iconic sermons that Jesus gives. And in it, uh, just like the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus is answering the question, what does it look like to follow him? What does it look like to be one of Jesus' disciples? And in it, he addresses a number of different topics, and that's why this sermon uh, doesn't just include today's reading, but the, it spans the rest of the chapter. And, and in the rest of the chapter, Jesus will address things like uh, how we should treat other people, how we should view ourselves, how we should relate to God. But you see, before Jesus gets there, uh, he challenges the way in which we see the world all around us, what we think is normal, and and he does this to show us two things. He does this uh, to show us the way things really are, and then he does this to show us the unexpected sort of way that God's kingdom works. And so that brings us uh, to Jesus' uh, sermon. It consists of a series of uh, eight blessings and woes, and they're not random. Uh, they're intentionally chosen and, and closely related. There are four blessings, and there are four woes, and they're evenly matched but, but opposed to the way in which our world is said to work. But see, here's the important detail. If you're one of Jesus' disciples— 
If you're someone standing in this large crowd as Jesus begins to preach, these words would have been immediately surprising and challenging to you. Now, several years ago, uh, in a sermon on this text, uh, a pastor uh, tried to point out just how surprising and challenging these words uh, would have been for those who first heard them. And to do this, uh, he used the words from Jesus' sermon as, uh, as the basis of a fictional letter written by Jesus to a hypothetical president. And, and I find his letter rather instructive. Dear Mr. President, uh, this preacher writes, First, I want to advise you to stop worrying so much about the economy and jobs. A lower gross domestic product is actually good for our country. I mean, don't you understand the poor are the fortunate ones? I mean, the, the more poor we have in our country, the more blessed we are, for theirs is the kingdom of God. And, and don't devote yourself so much uh, to health care, Mr. President. You see, those who mourn are blessed, for they will be comforted. I know you've heard uh, from those who complain about the increasingly secular nature of our country, that, that the people of faith are ignored, that they're called bigots and misunderstood. But I, I want you to relax, Mr. President. Government oppression gives Christians an opportunity to be persecuted and therefore blessed. Thank you for the expanded opportunities, yours truly, and then he signs the letter, uh, Jesus Christ. You know, it's a, it's a little corny, uh, but I certainly think it highlights uh, something very important. Uh, those who first heard this sermon, uh, the disciples of Jesus, uh, the people out on that plane, uh, they weren't expecting Jesus to say something like this. And yet, for people like us, as we hear this sermon today, the challenge we face is almost the exact opposite. I mean, many of us have heard this sermon before. Many of us have heard it uh, a number of times. And so, and so, the challenge we face is to hear afresh what Jesus has to say to us. And, and that's why I'd like to invite you to do a double take. And there are two things in particular I want you to notice about this sermon. You see, first... Uh, each of the blessings in Jesus' sermon is paired with a woe. And so uh, things like being poor are paired with being rich. And things like being hungry are paired with being well-fed. And, and Jesus does this four times in this sermon. And then the second thing I want you to notice is this. Uh, Jesus balances each physical, connect, uh, physical condition with a spiritual reality. Said again, he balances a physical reality, the kind of uh, physical conditions uh, that the followers of Jesus tend to find themselves in, because the followers of Jesus tend to find themselves in situations where they're weeping or being hated. And that's because life gives us plenty of opportunities for weeping and being hated. And you know what? When you're a follower of Jesus, I mean, when you, when you set your life to following him, you might just also find yourselves in some situations where you're weeping and being hated. 
And that's not to say that, uh, that Jesus is encouraging us to go out and, and seek these sorts of experiences out or that we should want to happen, uh, but instead what he's saying is that, that when they do, there is a spiritual reality going on that our world doesn't understand. And the things in this world that, that make us weep. And, you know, I don't know what they are for you. I mean, you can fill in the blank. Each of us probably has our list. The things in this world that make us weep. Through the eyes of Jesus. Through the cross. Through, through Jesus' death and resurrection. Those things, those things will eventually make us laugh. And that's because Jesus is ushering in a new creation. It started on the cross when he died for us. It it continued when he was resurrected. And we knew that what he promised was really real, that we could trust it. And then he ascended into heaven and Jesus promises to come back. And we, we have the eyes to see that what he promises, forgiveness, new life, and salvation, will be really real. And when Jesus returns, we will experience these things in their fullness. And so blessed, blessed, Jesus says, are you who weep, for you will laugh. You see, for each of these physical, spiritual reality going on. And the unfortunate thing that Jesus is showing us in this sermon is that our world doesn't see this. And the even more unfortunate thing that Jesus shows us is that we are so often tempted to believe the thing that our world sees. Because it is so tempting to get all dressed up. It is so tempting to put money in the bank. It is so tempting to line up all of your right answers and think that you've got it all together. And that's why Jesus preaches this sermon. That's why Jesus calls us to do a double take, to invite us to see what is really real, that that our brokenness, that our sin, it's in the midst of those things and from those things uh, that God promises to begin to work. And it's from those places, from that promise, that we begin to experience the blessings of the kingdom that God is ushering in. Now, several months ago, uh, on All Saints Sunday, uh, Anthony Sedetto, one of our seminarians, preached a a sermon on the companion passage uh, to this text, uh, which is Probably just simply another way of saying that uh, Anthony preached a sermon on the Beatitudes from Jesus' Sermon on the Mount in Matthew's Gospel. And uh, Anthony, I liked uh, the end of your sermon so much uh, that I would like to invite all of us to engage in the exercise uh, that you left us with. And that exercise is uh, simply to look at our lives and to imagine what's really real. Uh, to see our lives not as Escher's world, but rather to see our lives as God sees them. And to begin to imagine that all of the unfortunate circumstances in our lives 
don't necessarily mean woe, but might just be the place where, where God begins to work. And so as we uh, come to a close, I'd invite you to do just that. Because it's so easy to look at our lives, to consider all of the circumstances in which we find ourselves, and to assume that those things are bad things. That they mean woe. But rather, these are the kinds of places that God is promising to show up. Because you see, that's what's really real as we live in what so often seems like Escher's world. As we, as we encounter a God who begins to work in brokenness. As we encounter a God who begins to work in the places of hurt and pain and sin. And show us that it is from these places in lives like yours and mine that his kingdom begins. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit.